0: a leader is not a type at all a leader is behavior and so when you're looking at behavior when you're looking at okay what am I doing okay yeah I'm in a truck and I might be answering calls you are still a leader because people see you people look at what you do look at how you act look at what your behavior is look at how you speak to people and you guys are there to help your people be better. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as
1: it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never ending discipline. It is a refuse to lose pursuit. It is a wake up call every morning to waste no day. Now, here's your hosts, Brian
2: Burton and Nate Minnick.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again, and we are excited to bring a leadership podcast to you this week. Now, for those of you who are saying, well, I'm not in a position of leadership, great. That's exactly who we're talking to, both leaders and who are currently leading, and leaders who are in development. And everybody falls into one of those two characters, one of those two categories. So we are excited to have Curry Gavro join us again. He was on our podcast last year talking about water quality, and this time we're digging into his personal story to hear a little bit about what drove him to become the leader that he is, and how we can apply some of those same ideas into our own lives. With that, we're going to turn to Brian for our quote and listen to...
2: Some ideas about leadership. The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. William Arthur Ward. Oh, all right. I I like that. That's good. Uh, Which one are you, Brian? Uh, That's a tough one because wouldn't superior be better than great?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Semantics, I guess, at this point.
2: I demonstrate, you inspire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm superior. So uh inspiration
1: yeah. certainly would
2: be at the top of that list though. Right? Yeah, In terms uh, of like the capabilities. I'm thinking the quote I'm I'm thinking Mr. Ward meant to say that the great teacher was superior to the superior teacher. Yes. I, I think you're on the same page. Inspiring people, um, well it just it opens people's minds up. I mean, when they feel inspired and raring to go, they learn easier. They learn more easily. So,
1: what what were those again? It was it was teach, or no demonstrate. It was tell, explain, demonstrate, or inspire. Yeah, okay, I like that. So, def, I, I can definitely relate to the tell piece as being the lowest form of teaching because it's it's so easy to lecture and not actually translate or transfer information. Uh, in terms of sales, right? We fall into that category all the time, right, Brian? we're constantly telling, 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 and you know what type of results you're going to get from that. Not good. Uh, Explaining is certainly that higher level. Demonstrating is really when you're getting engaged with your client, but inspiring them. And we did an entire podcast on the transfer of enthusiasm, which is the definition that we choose to use for sales, basically the transference of enthusiasm. And that absolutely is inspiring. This podcast is also going to be inspiring because we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is leadership, which is something that hits home for each one of us. And I think every business that you're working in or a part of, leadership is going to be one of those foundational principles that everybody's trying to get better at, or at least should be. And we wanted to have Curry back on because he's one who's not only demonstrated his own leadership abilities, but has done a fair amount of study and experience with the topic itself. He's led in various industries and jobs that he's had, and he brings a lot of life experience to the table to talk, not just in terms of telling, but also in
2: demonstrating and inspiring. Yeah, he's been through multiple um, different things that would make him qualified to talk about leadership, including playing fo- college football, military, law enforcement, Um vice president of a of a business now trainer uh presentation trainer success academy uh trainer to what did he maybe we'll have to ask him but he he rose through the ranks in success academy as well sure did which is the education arm of clockworks uh created by jim abrams and terry nicholson um but yeah he rose through the ranks there and then now is vice president of a water treatment company and seems like he's been around quality leadership or been quality leadership, I don't know, probably since before Nate was born. That's a fair assessment. Uh, Certainly you were alive, Brian, but I definitely was. (laughs) Youngin. Um, Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy all my conversations with Curry. I loved when Curry was on the show the last time uh, talking about the need for water treatment. And um, this is going to be a great episode.
1: So with that, and without further ado, we're going to put Curry Gavreau in your passenger seat to discuss the concept of leadership. Our guest today is Curry Gavreau. He's no stranger to the show, and he has been on here before. This time we're talking about leadership. Curry is the executive vice president of the Honest Water Filter Company and co-founder of Visionary Training Solutions, or VTS. This is a coaching and training organization focused on developing leadership, communication, sales, and business skills of HVAC plumbing and electrical service professionals. Curry specializes in organizational coaching and training, helping companies in developing leadership, communication, sales, and business skills of all the trades. As an experienced trainer and educator, Curry has taught for more than 32 years and has served as an adjunct faculty member at a variety of universities, including American Military University, Strayer University, University of Phoenix, and Ashford University. He's a Marine Corps veteran. His career also includes 17 years of law enforcement, and we count him as a friend. Welcome to the show, Curry.
0: It's such a pleasure to come back. I appreciate the invite.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming back on. We, we uh, tend to say to the guests we really enjoy, we'd love to have you back on. But uh, then they block my email, so typically, you know, it's <laughs> can't nice <blame> that, them. <laughs> it's nice that I have your home phone, cell phone, address, email, you know, and um, your neighbors as well. Yeah, work phone.
0: That was plenty my friend.
1: Yeah, you're you're at a lost cause no matter what. But uh, not our listeners; they will be benefiting from this one because we're focusing on leadership, which I believe is a passion of yours, and we are looking forward to jumping into that topic with you today.
0: I'm really excited because it is one of my uh, top passions, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, for the benefit of uh, somebody who missed your previous podcast on water conditioning and treatment, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on your history, Um, and then we'll kind of ask some questions from there.
0: Okay. Well, um, one of the things, because we're talking about leadership, I think it's important to talk a little bit about character. And uh, one of the things that, uh, when we're talking about leadership, you have to discuss where someone came from and sort of the values that they've uh, uh, been using through their life. And for me, uh, I started in the trades very early, um, eighth grade. I was carrying uh, my tools. I was an electrical apprentice. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, I was going to be an electrician. That was my goal, go up all the way through high school. Um, and I was taught a lot of lessons working in the trades. Um, A lot of lessons about pride, about doing what's right, about working hard, about showing up, about showing up early. Um, You know, I was taught that an apprentice, a good apprentice, always knows what the electrician needs before he actually asks for it. Um, And so those kinds of experiences and and, and, uh, lessons I've carried over throughout my entire life. Um, You know, I take a lot of pride in what I do. And no matter what it is I'm doing, whether it's coaching or training or leading an organization or a team, uh, I have those really fundamental approaches, uh, you know, working hard, doing things right, uh, being self, uh, unselfish so that, uh, or selfless so that you can help others. Um, and in my journey, uh, everything kind of changed when I started playing football. Um, and I got, uh, I was, I was pretty good, I guess. And, and I got recruited to play football in college. And all of a sudden I wasn't going to be an electrician. Uh, I wanted to be a, a, a Marine Corps pilot.
1: Whoa. And my backup, uh, uh, hang on there. <laughs> How did we go from electrician to football to Marine Corps pilot? Uh, missing a few dots there.
0: All right. So here's the dot. I did not like school. I know that sounds funny.
2: No, you're so in good company. My,
0: my friend. <laughs> but, but that?
2: You're in good company here.
0: Yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy school uh, at that point in my life. And, uh, I could not see myself going past 12th grade. I wanted to go out and earn money. I wanted to work with my hands. I wanted to accomplish things. Well, um, I loved football. It's, it's another passion of mine. And, uh, when I got the opportunity to go to college, I was very thankful that my mother had forced me to take college prep classes, even though I kept demanding I wasn't going to be going to college. So that made me reassess my direction. And um, I I went into officer candidate school for the Marine Corps, and I graduated uh, with honors from that in 1987. And I was slated to become a Marine Corps pilot. And I was very excited about that because that's the best of the best. And there's a lot of things that go through to, to, to get to that point. And then in the beginning of 1988, I get a letter from the government telling me that, uh, they were no longer appointing Marine Corps pilots. They were on a freeze. And they offered me all these other things. And I said, well, you know what? My backup plan was to be a police officer. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mm. go be a police because I've really, in my heart, wanted to do that since I was four. What little boy doesn't, at some point, want to be a cop or a cowboy when they grow up? Yeah, right, right. right. So, uh, so that's what I did. I um, I graduated from college and uh, I went into law enforcement. And I did that for two decades, um, up in uh, Boston for a couple of years, and then the rest of my time down here in Florida. And I tell you what I learned there. Um, I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to communicate uh, in an unemotional sort of like a. Have you ever, Have you guys ever studied critical thinking?
1: Uh, that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so, so as I was in law enforcement, I started to appreciate adult learning and I started to appreciate how it, it helped me with, uh, developing my skills and my knowledge. And, uh, I learned very quickly. Matter of fact, 1989, that I had a knack for speaking in front of people and for coaching and teaching and training. And so, um, for a couple of years, I be, I was a reserve police officer, and my full-time job, I know this is going to kind of blow your mind a little bit, um, I worked as a stockbroker on Wall Street.
2: Really? Wow. The plot thickens. And, <laughs> what, you, you got
1: some advice for me? Because uh, the crypto market is not doing so great right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't invest in crypto. <laughs> Spoken <laughs> like a
2: true uh, Wall Street guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of lessons there, though, guys. You know, the, the way I looked. I, first of all, it's a very challenging occupation to get into. So I had to study, and it was the first time since since college. And let's face it, I didn't study that hard in college. <laughs> it was the first time since college that I had to actually open books and and, and retain information. Um, and, you know, and of course, I went to the police academy and stuff, but it was, that was different. So um, I did that for a couple of years, but I really missed law enforcement. But what that taught me was how much I enjoyed training people, helping people to gain information and then implement that knowledge to change their behavior to become better. And that really sort of changed the direction of, of what I was doing. Uh, I went back into law enforcement and I, also, I did training. From that point on, I was a field training officer, I was a sergeant, I was a lead instructor at the police academy, and I went and I got my master's degree, um, and I started teaching at the local community college and moved my, my way up there, um, So I, I, and I've always had multiple jobs. Um, currently, I have four. I work for four different organizations, um, and uh, it's just one of those things. Remember I told you when I was in eighth grade, I was taught how, that working hard was the key to success. Um, and everybody says, you know, work smart, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still work. And so you have to have the drive. I don't know if this is appropriate, but money drives me and fear drives me.
1: I pushed that out a little bit
0: about the fear. The fear of being seen like I failed something. Right. I've always been high producer. I've always been one of those guys that uh, when I did something, I focused very hard and I, and I performed at a high level. And you get to the point where that's some habit forming. It's almost like a rush. When you accomplish something and somebody says, dude, that was awesome. That's my reward. But yeah. it takes a lot to get to that point.
1: We talked about here in our building before, You know, do you love to win more or do you hate to lose more? Which is it with you?
0: I hate to lose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredibly driving.
0: It 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 really is, and um, you know, a lot of psychologists and psychologists uh, will will will, they'll tell you that's an unhealthy way to approach things. But you know what? I'm successful, and I'm not changing at 54 years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you said that you have. you, you've always had kind of a diverse occupational history. And I'm sure that even in the short pieces that you shared there, like we, we can already hear where the development of leadership is coming from. But as you look back over your vast career of, of different occupations and even completely different industries, was there one standout role that really developed the leadership side of you?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think the very first truly challenging position from a leadership perspective was when I was promoted in law enforcement, and I um, was a sergeant, and I ran a squad of police officers. Um, That's a very unique field. I want you to imagine that uh, you're running a, a squad of people who are in uniform who are authority figures. And they're held to an incredibly high standard. They're in an incredibly stressful job. Uh, it's a very tight brotherhood. And it can be um, a challenge to be a successful leader in that universe because a lot of people, when they, when they find themselves, they're driven to do something or to achieve something, they forget that it's others around them that will help propel them, and they become selfish. And I learned very quickly that when I became a sergeant, I looked back at all the previous managers and leaders that I had, and I picked the ones that I had the most respect for. And the common thread was they were all unselfish. Yeah. They always put people first, they always strive to support their people in other endeavors to make them better police officers, make them better husbands, better fathers, better citizens. And that doesn't change no matter what the industry is. I've been to your organization. I've been to your location many times. You're one of the 1% that are out there that do that. And it's because it comes out and it goes through the whole leadership. And you guys are there to help your people be better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate that.
0: that Absolutely. When you make that your priority, then all of a sudden, the people under you feel that. And I know men, they don't like to talk about their feelings, right? But at the end of the day, your feelings drive you. If you feel like you're engaged uh, in in, in a community, that there are people around you who are all collaborating and working in unison towards a common goal, uh, when you feel like you're contributing and influencing an organization, you do more. So when, when leaders... Start focusing on people and not numbers, the numbers take care of themselves.
1: Yeah, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly back you up on that. And that is a big focus that we have intentionally made in our organization is to to dive into the messiness of people and, and look at it from that angle. We're extremely numbers driven, we're extremely performance-based, but we realize that all of those numbers and all of that performance is made up by flesh and bone.
0: Yeah. You can't do anything without it. Yes. You know, and um, you know, the days and, and you guys are younger than me, but you know, I grew up in the, in the days of, because I said so. And we're not that and much you know what younger, I, buddy. I got the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian's
1: well, not that much younger. I might add. That's true. He's <laughs> yeah. 20 yeah. years younger than well, me. But, so, but,
0: but, so mate you are you are definitely how old are you Nate?
1: Uh, i am currently
0: 36 Oh, you oh, boy you look young thanks <laughs> you're, you're welcome um, but here's the thing you know in the res, in, in certain industries they they lag society because of the tradition and because of the, the sort of like tribal learning that occurs. And, you know, I mean, I learned my trade from a tradesman. Most of the guys that you're hiring are pro- have probably learned from tradesmen. So they lag behind in advancing and becoming a little bit more sophisticated. And it's very Machiavellian, right? It's very do it because I said so, you fear me. If you don't do it, I'll get rid of you and get somebody else who will do it. And that's changing and it's seeping into the trades and people need to understand all these guys who own companies and they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s they have to learn because dinosaurs become extinct and so the profitability in residential service is is really in investing in your people and that's what people need to understand you need people who want to be invested in you want people in your team on your team who want to improve themselves, who want to improve their behavior. They do it by by grabbing knowledge, by feeling engaged, and the company needs to support that. Once that mindset shifts, the profitability increases. And it's been proven over and over and over again. And I know for a fact that you guys have proven it. You're like the the textbook model on how to run a company, grow a company, be as profitable as possible and retain talent.
1: Well, I appreciate those kind words, Curry. And uh, you're certainly setting the bar high for us to continue to live up to, and we'll do our very best to make sure we are shooting for that. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned there a minute ago, which is how, how tradespeople are trained by tradespeople are trained by tradespeople. And that can become kind of a, a closed off circle if you're not careful, where the outside influence Of other things, other talents, other um, concepts or leadership training or whatever may not be able to break in as easily as it might be in a different organization that is less um, skill oriented, like specific skill oriented. And if if there's one thing that we hope this podcast is doing, it's bringing a light into the darkness in, in terms of exposing our listeners to different ideas, exposing them to what we think is really, really good things about the industry or things that the industry is lacking. And and so we hope to continue with that. And that's another reason we want to have you on because we want to be speaking to the leaders in the trucks right now that may not have a title, they might not have a position, but they have the raw ingredients of greatness within them. And, And we just need somebody to whip up the recipe and bake the cake.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it's funny you, you mentioned that because it's a point that I absolutely wanted to make on the podcast when I was thinking about it uh, earlier today and last night is a leader is not a type at all. A leader is behavior. And so when you're looking at behavior, when you're looking at, okay, what am I doing? Okay, yeah, I'm in a truck and I might be answering calls. You are still a leader because people see you. People look at what you do, look at how you act, look at what your behavior is, look at how you speak to people. Um, you know, There's a concept in business where when a large business wants to have a successful rollout of a program or a product or what have you, they have to get buy-in from the people. And uh, a great example, to put this in, into terminology that everyone on the call might understand, is let's say that your business wants to roll out a new product. Well, if the business is run properly, then the way to roll out is not stand up in front of everybody and say, I'm the boss. This product is great. I need you to sell it. That's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is for the leadership to take some of what we call their informal leaders. Those are leaders in the organization that may not have a a formal title but they're influential within the organization. You take those informal leaders aside and you incorporate them into the decision-making, and then they will go out and they will actually influence the other members of the team because they have the respect from the rest of the team. So informal leaders are critically important in any organization, and you become an informal leader by behaving the appropriate way. 100%
1: 100% on that one, Curry. In fact, uh, to kind of paraphrase something that one of our, our uh, managers here, Mike Favrick, says a lot is, is behave yourself into a position before you have the title. And I think that's that's so well said, right? Like you, you conduct yourself like you have that title, you, you relate to people like you have that title, you TCOB like you have that title, and you clean up like you have that title before the before the moniker is ever presented to you. You have existed your way into the responsibility. And then, and then when, when the role comes, when the name tag appears, you're ready to go. And it's not this it must,
2: massive leap. And it's obvious yeah. who, who's going to be right for that position because somebody's already
0: doing the work. Right. Right. It's interesting because when the formal title comes, your behavior ends up not having to change because you're already doing it. Exactly. Right. You That's just right. get a little bit you know, less
2: responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> we should uh, we should say that the acronym TCOB, that means taking care of business because our dispatcher Julian today, uh, did not know what that meant <laughs> when we were oh, talking yeah, about earlier.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, uh, my wife and I, uh, we've been together since 1989 and we have two sons. Um, our oldest is 26 and our youngest is 23. And the 26-year-old, we actually had a discussion or an ongoing discussion. So he's a business consultant in in uh, Washington, D.C. And he works for one of the major uh, consulting firms uh, for the government. And the perspective of, of younger adults is, well, if you want me to do that, you need to pay me and give me a title and and make me make me in that position. And we're explaining to him, no, you show that you can do that before you ever get a title and money. The title and money comes after you prove that you can do it at a high level. So they're going to let you take on more responsibility. They're not taking advantage of you. They're letting you show them that you deserve the title and the responsibility and the money. And by the way, Leadership pays. Would you guys agree?
1: Agreed. Not necessarily in finances, right?
0: No, absolutely. It's in fulfillment. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, and look, if you're if you're good at what you do, you take pride in every single stop you make. You take pride in every house you enter, right? When you leave that and you know you did an amazing job, that's fulfilling. You go home at night, you sleep well, Right. It's very, it's very
1: much like, you know, putting a boiler in or installing a, an electric panel and, and all the wires are straight and all the pipes are level and everything. And you just step back and you say, that's how it's done. It's that, but it's in right. terms of like relationships and organization and, and strategy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, people have misconceptions on what leadership is. And it's very, very simple at its core leadership is being unselfish, communicating effectively and behaving in a way that you want others to behave. You walk the walk. And that's why guys like you and and other uh, you know, high-level leaders when you look at them, you can see how they want their people to act because that's how they're acting. It's pretty simple.
1: That's is- those those three points hit those once again, Curry. Those three points. Oh crap! <laughs> I thought you okay. I thought you actually had that
0: planned out, not winging it. No, no, I no, dude, this is off the cuff. That's great. That's great. I think I said. I think I said communicate. Uh, what is it? Be unselfish. Communicate effectively and walk the walk. Yes. Behave the way you others to behave. Is yes. so that great. right?
1: Yes, that's right. And and okay. with that curry like I'd, I I got to ask, you know, cuz I think this is re- this is very relevant to what the trades can look at right now. So uh, a lot of our listeners are in the truck, right? And they're in the truck which means they're frontline people and there's a bunch of people back at the shop who are not in a truck anymore or who may be sort of in a truck, sort of out of a truck. And that becomes appealing. You know, Oh, that looks pretty nice. That looks like something I'd like to do. That looks like a place I'd like to move up to. And so those three points that you just mentioned there, I think are a great foundation place to start as far as building yourself into that next role. But it, it is so much in acting and taking on the responsibility of what that role entails before you ever get there like conduct yourself as the captain before you ever get the badge, conduct yourself as a field supervisor, as a service manager, as a, a brand, a branch manager, as a, um, an operations manager, conduct yourself in terms of what do you think that position entails before you ever get presented with it? And guess what? If you do that and you do it effectively, those positions will come knocking on your door much faster than they will anybody else.
0: There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's a mindset shift when someone co- is, is working in the residential service industry. They're a plumber, electrician, HVAC, you know, gas fitter, roof, whatever. <clears throat> they have to start to think at some point, what is, what is my next step? What do I want to strive for? Now, there are people in the industry who they want to show up for work, they want to get their calls. They want to complete their calls and then they want to go home and that's all they want. That's not who we're talking to. Would you guys agree? Agreed.
2: They're, they're not so listening to this between calls. So you don't have to worry about that. They're listening <laughs> to sports <laughs> that's radio.
0: That's true. That's true. Who, who, who we're talking to are the people who say, I'm going places. I know I can do more. Well, you don't just get handed more. You have to prove to someone that you can do it. And the way you start is the relationship, right? For instance, Brian and Nate, you guys aren't going to make a field. Let's just, for instance, call it a field supervisor. I'm not sure how your hierarchy works. But let's say you have a field supervisor. Well, you're not going to make someone a field supervisor who is known in the organization to not really support their peers, right? No. You're going to support, you're going to look to the guy who their peers go to for support. And they turn around and they're unselfish and they provide that support. You're going to go to the person who brings in sunshine to your organization, who uh, isn't the Debbie Downer, right? Who's always looking for ways to improve the organization. I'm going to tell you, my most successful stints in business have always been positions where I actively sought out more responsibility. I sought out more tasks to complete. So I was exceeding expectations and that was my goal. You guys remember me from Success Academy, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: I started in Success Academy. So actually, I started with that organization as a vendor representative. You might remember BioBen, uh, Bio right? Yeah. Uh, so I started there, and I immediately liked the organization. I loved dealing with all of, of, of you guys, the franchisees and the residential service providers. And I knew that I was, I, was, I was into something good. So I started doing more and more. And then I got uh, hired by BiMax away from that vendor so that I could work full-time with the organization. And then I got hired by Success Academy. And every step of the way, I showed up to work earlier than I needed to. I did more than they asked me to. And I made sure that I was thinking about the organization and its goals and not just my own goals. And I left there as the director of Success Academy. And and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of what I did there. And the main reason that it happened was because I was, Unselfish, I communicated effectively, and I made sure that everything that I did, that I presented myself, that my behavior represented the highest level of professionalism so that people would be proud to say, That's my, you know, trainer, that's my manager, that's my director, or whatever.
1: Yeah, Curry, I, I got to do a plug here for core values because. In our organization, we, we attempt to live, breathe, and, and run the organization on our core values. And those are professionalism, empathy, gratitude, and drive. And, and we want to see that embodied by every single employee. We want to see that through every promotion. We want to see that through every um, new hire that comes into the organization. And we want every new hire that comes in to see that in every place that they look. And yet not every organization has as uh, perhaps foundational or they don't make it as as big of a deal, their core values, or maybe they don't even have some. And so if you're part of an organization like that does have core values, I think the easiest thing to do is measure yourself against those and say, how am I doing? But if you're part of an organization that doesn't have core values or doesn't really talk about them a whole lot, I think it's a great idea to establish your own personal core values. Like... Who, who is Nate Minnick? You know, who is Brian Burton? And what are, the, what are the three to five core values that I'm going to conduct myself in front of the homeowner, in front of my peers, and in front of the business organization management uh, to make sure that I'm living up to a high standard and establish those. And don't just do it, you know, willy-nilly off the cuff stuff like, oh yeah, you know, I'll show up to work on time and, uh, you know, make sure my uniform is clean. I'm talking about like deep stuff in the DNA stuff of who you are and how you're going to live your life. And if you hold yourself to those standards and you set yourself a high bar, you will naturally place yourself into a position of leadership or leadership will start looking at you and saying, I think we got something here.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And, 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 you know, and, and it's advanced. Nate. It, you know, that, That's advanced for an organization to have core values that they hold people to that's advanced, whether whether we want to agree with it or not. You know, think about, okay, do you think that the majority of residential service providers have presented core values to their team or not present, presented core values to their team, right? Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, uh, I've been to thousands across the country over the years. They don't. That's not something, it's not in their DNA. So the best organizations will do that and it gets more out of their people. Their people are more fulfilled. And, you know, w- when when you start talking about um, drive and you start talking about empathy and professionalism, uh, you know, all, and, and all of these things at the end of the day, what, what the guys and girls have to do when they're on the team is they have to want to be better than yesterday. You know, and I, and I have a saying in my training, look, if you're, if you want to be successful in life, you have to always be, be moving. Right? When you stop moving, that's when you stagnate. That's when that's when things start to wither and, and, and you know, atrophy and, and and you don't progress. You should always be doing something. And so my statement in class when I teach people or coach people is you don't have to be perfect. There's no one no one's perfect. There's been one perfect person in the entire history of the world, and you don't have to be perfect. But you have to be better than yesterday. So how do you do that? And it's all about cognitive thinking you're consciously making decisions about your behavior that will put you in a better place to help others and when you do that you're a leader yeah
2: uh ken goodrich saying that uh i got from working working for him for several years was you can be green and growing or brown and dying there's no such thing as standing still
0: yeah it's true i mean uh, uh you know And you know what? It takes work. But I think we can all agree that work is easier when it becomes habit. And the way that you make something a habit is you do it over and over again. And that's what anything, right? Anybody can do anything. they just got to do it one time and then do it another time and then do it another and never stop. And then you can accomplish anything you want to do. But it takes thought. Right? It takes conscious thought, and a lot of people don't go that low. Like, like, you know, talking about behavior is not something that men in particular are overly comfortable talking about because it has to do with feelings sometimes, and you know, that's you know, kind of wussy or whatever. But the reality is, if you're thinking about, okay, how am I being better? How am I, what can I do better? How can I improve? What can I do? Uh, start with others. Help others. And your leadership journey will just expedite.
1: We've talked about that before in terms of mentoring. And I I do think that is so needed in the industry. Um, And I've really even challenged people. Like if if you're on the the higher side of EQ or the higher side of skill set or the higher side of leadership, find somebody around you who you think has potential and start investing in them. And the flip side of that is if you're newer or you're trying to learn, you're trying to find your way, or you just simply need a direction, find somebody who looks like they know what they're doing and ask them, ask them to mentor you and and, and don't be satisfied with a, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I'll I'll give you a a slap on the back every once in a while. No, I'm talking about like intentional, like, Hey man, can I sit with you? Hey man, can we meet like once a week? Hey man, can I ride along in some of your calls? Hey man, can you help me out with this thing that I'm trying to do right now? Hey man, what's your thought on like this when this happens and the customer says this and that getting that type of coaching, that type of, Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, real life stuff that matters, conversation, technique, uh, strategy, that, that can be game-changing. And Brian, you often talk about how a coach or a mentor is hitting the fast forward on life. It's bringing the future to the present. Like you're reaching out in time. You're going down the timeline and you're saying, that's the better version of me that I want. And that's the thing that I think I can get to. And here, I'm going to bring it forward by asking somebody about their advice of how we can make that happen right now. And, and there needs to be a hunger inside of, inside of all of us, really for that, but especially inside of younger people um, who are who are newer to the trades or who are trying to learn, who want to lead, who want to move up in an organization for that type of training and mentorship because that will only serve you well as you step into newer and bigger roles. and just to have the confidence that your your experience has been well-rounded. it has been spoken into by other people and not just you know your own ideas, but you've you've been checked and double checked on what you think and you're choosing a path that believe, We'll get you to the future.
2: Yeah. And it's not hitting necessarily hitting the fast forward button on life because life is going to pass at the same speed regardless of what you do. But if you want to learn something or develop a skill or develop anything in your life, 60 seconds in a minute, no matter what you do, but you can fast forward the time it's going to take you to develop a skill or learn a skill by getting a mentor by getting somebody who started at at zero where you're at now and got to the level they're at. And they'll show you the shortcuts. They'll show you the pitfalls to avoid and uh, things that you can do to get there faster.
0: You know, I I a hundred percent agree with you in concept. Here's your challenge. And, And I've participated in mentorship programs multiple times on both sides of it. The challenge is, finding a mentor that actually cares has the experience and the knowledge to to impart and they want to take they, they want to be unselfish and they want to help others with their experience mm. um, I have found it incredibly fulfilling to be a mentor yes um, and 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 I don't take it lightly you know I, I, I find it very very um, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the word is, but it, it's the highest honor that I can be given for someone to come to me for advice. And so, uh, I, I take it really serious. You know, I, I've had people come up to me, uh, on two separate occasions. And this is, this is a dramatic thing. I had a guy in, um, uh, I want to say San Antonio after a two day training, come up to me with tears and eyes telling me I changed his life. Mm, wow. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I'm teaching electricians. I was like, how did I change your life? It's because he looked deeper than just what I was saying, and he would listen to why I was saying what I was saying and how I was saying it, and it affected him. And it wasn't about running service calls. It was about life, right? It was about how you approach life. And, And so to your point, if you can find someone, and I've always felt this way. Look, I was an athlete. But I looked at, you know, if I wanted to accomplish something, I would find someone who's already doing it and do what they do. But it's incredibly helpful if you can then talk to them and go, hey, it must have taken you X amount of years to be able to do what you do at the level you do it. Can you help me avoid some of the pitfalls you experienced? And now you're going to get up to speed faster, but you got to find the right person. And that's the challenge, finding the right mentor.
1: All right, Curry. So let's, let's be real here. So I, I don't disagree with you that there is a lack of mentorship. In fact, I think that's what I was kind of saying. Like we need more of that, but there may also be a lack of actual mentors, like good people. And so if, if I'm in a truck right now and I'm saying, uh, man, I'm tracking with you guys here, but I look around and I don't exactly see anybody, uh, who's either willing or able to play that role in my life. Where do
0: I go? It's incredibly challenging, but but here's something that people have to think about. <clears throat> you, if you can't if you can't find the appropriate mentor, and I, this is going to sound a little bit odd, so bear with me. If you're a plumber, your mentor does not have to be a plumber. I've mentored hundreds of residential service providers, and I don't I don't work directly in that industry, right? I'm not. I'm no longer turning tools. You want to look for someone who can give you guidance on higher level stuff. I don't need someone to teach me how to put in a GFI. That's not what I need. What I need is someone to teach me how do I react better when something goes in a way that I wasn't planning or how do I address this financial situation? or I'm having this problem with this person at work. What's the right way to approach this so that we can communicate and collaborate better. You know, these are things that you don't have to find someone that that's driving the same color truck that you're driving.
1: That's so good, Curry. And I appreciate that. Um, that perspective and and I think that's well thought out for somebody who's who's looking for a mentor open your circle up a little bit it it doesn't have to be in your organization it doesn't even have to be in your trade i mean you can look outside and and actually that diversity of perspective may really be beneficial in ways that you haven't even imagined instead of asking a plumber how to do plumbing things ask somebody who's not a plumber how to do uh, just life experience how to do customer service how to do um, interactions with people. I mean, for goodness right. sakes, like, I mean, so much of leadership is learning just how to interact with human beings. Uh, that's why it's called leadership. After all, it has very little to do with how to turn a wrench the right way or, or which way you turn uh, the screwdriver.
0: A- absolutely. has nothing. And, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a tip, uh, on how to cheat. You ready? Let's go. YouTube.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I'm going to tell you, there are so many quality content providers out there for people who are looking to improve themselves. Um, and of course, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. There's no need to pay for any of that stuff. Okay? You, what you need to do is you need to say, you know what? I'd like to know how to do this better. Yeah, Google that thing. And all these results come up. And what'll happen if you actually take the time to do that, what'll happen is every you'll start to see names that you recognize. Well, if that's the case, maybe you should start watching some of their videos, following their content, going to their website. A lot, a lot, the majority of quality stuff that's out there, you do not need to pay for. You can find it. You're just going to know what you're looking for.
1: Does anybody come to mind for you, Curry, and any uh any names or specific people that you say this is somebody I'd check out?
0: Yeah, well, um, it's, bear with me, and I will, oops, the wrong one. I will open up my subscription.
1: Let's go. Let's hear it. who does Curry listen to for his mentorship.
0: Okay, let's see. Professor of Rock. That's not it. Oh, uh. a <laughs> Cy- podcast. Cypher- oh, 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 no. Yeah, Cipher Cy- PK. That's my my Fortnite guy. <laughs> uh, you know, so. There are, there are things that, um, let me back up. Frame of mind is critical. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. Without a doubt, the frame of mind, and we talked about that before, the frame of mind can change the world in front of you. Right.
0: There are three things that get my mind in a good place. Music, comedy, and puppies. (laughs) Okay. Shut
2: up. Yeah, that last (laughs) one threw me for a loop there. I didn't know what was going to come out. This is from
1: the guy ready. Yeah, he's like six foot four and benches 300 pounds.
0: Puppies, bring the puppies. (laughs) And so first things first, you have to have your escape, right? What what do you use to uh, bring equilibrium back? You had a bad day. You had a bad call. You had an argument with your significant other, whatever. You, you got to know, A, how do you get back to neutral, right? But then uh, when you're looking to learn, for instance, um, you know, uh, whether it's about leadership or what have you, uh, for me, I, I, I've been a fan of Simon Sinek for a long time. Good name. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like how he explains things. And so um, uh, he's someone that I have followed for for quite a long time. Um, I've read things and watched uh, videos and whatnot by, um, uh, oh, my go-to, by the way, uh, uh, when it comes to leadership as a foundational book is called It's Your Ship. What was that? Again? It's called "It's Your Ship." So um, let me let like, me like navy ship. Correct. So it's <laughs> uh, a little tough do. on the phone.
1: <laughs> 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 like how how am I gonna bleep the title of a book for Pete's sake? What's he doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah. So um, I, I, I want to quote something. You have to give me a second here.
2: You know, I, I uh, do a quote for every episode and as I was, as I was uh, thinking about a quote for this, this episode, um, it's easy to like search for quotes and and just find quotes on the internet. But I like, I tended to like to use um, quotes from books I know or quotes that have have actually helped me at some point um, or most certainly by people that I follow and study and, Simon Sinek is one of those people for sure. And I remember him, uh, he did a, I don't know where the talk was that he was doing, but gave a speech about about leadership. And he was talking about being at um, the Four Seasons in Vegas. Yeah. And he had a uh, barista named Noah. And he said Noah Noah was just, the man, like he was chipper. He was grateful. He was genuine. He was so happy to be there. And he said, let me ask you a question, Noah, do you like your job? And without skipping a beat, Noah said, I love my job. And he said, "Yeah, wow, not, not like he loves his job. So he asked him what, what, um, what do they do here at the four seasons that makes you love this place so much? And he said, every, every time I see a manager, they, They're just full of enthusiasm. They ask me how I'm doing. They ask if I need anything. They thank me, and then they're on their way. And he said, not just my manager, but any manager. And he said, I also also work at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And he said, at Caesars Palace, I'm a completely different person because there, if you see a manager, they're trying to figure out what you're doing wrong and find a reason to correct you or find a mistake to blame on you. And there I'm very quiet and very timid and just trying to get through my day. And it was great because I don't, I don't know that there was necessarily a usable quote in the video. Um, yeah. But the whole, the whole clip was usable in that it, he he was saying this to prove a point that the environment is created by the leaders. It's not created by the employees. So if you have a, yeah you have a crappy culture leaders out there. There's a real good chance that you're the cause of it. It's not necessarily no, no, no. always the case, but there is a very good chance that if, if the lack of positive culture, lack of gratitude that it's, it's from the top down
0: hundred percent. And I could go on for, um, for years uh, talking about my experiences with organizations that could do so much better. Um, but I want to give you guys two, two resources, um, uh, that I, I use and I was able to pull them up so that I could speak to them directly. The first is, if you're looking for someone that you, you're like, oh man, yeah, but there's so many people. How do I know who to follow? Uh, please jot this down. There's a website called globalgurus.org. It's global, G-U-R-U-S dot org. They list the most influential current leaders in the world, and just so you know, Guru number one is Simon Sinek. Guru number three is John Maxwell. I'm sure you've heard of him. Yep. Um, Mark Sandborn's on here. Uh, Liz Wiseman. Uh, so, so there's a, and and it goes. I don't. I'm not sure how many there are here. But this is a great start for anybody who's saying, "Okay, well, give me a name, give me a name." So that's where you start. They're the world's top thirty leadership professions. But I want to talk to you about this book, and here's why. Um, I, well, I guess, and this is where I, I struggle a little bit. I guess I'm a leadership expert because I've been doing it for a long time, and I've been teaching and, and training and mentoring people on leadership for a long time. This book touched me, and I don't mean in a bad way, (laughs) this book influenced me, and it influenced my training and my content, okay, and it's called It's Your Ship, the author is a Captain Michael Ebershoff, Michael Ebershoff, and the premise, just so you understand, is he was assigned the USS Benfold. He's a Navy captain. He was assigned the worst performing ship in the Navy. And he immediately went to work. And to give you an example of the book, and it gives you real life examples, but it, they have underlying value uh, reasons. So he has his first meeting. He, he boards the ship. And has his entire officer team in a meeting right before Chow. They have a meeting and then it's time for them to go have Chow. They go down to the, to the mess hall and all the leaders, you know, all the officers get in line and they're going through the the things first and they start looking around for the new captain. Guess where the new captain is, guys?
1: Back of the line.
0: He's in the back of the line eating after his crew. That was the last time any of the officers on that ship ate before the crew. Is that a powerful lesson?
1: It sure is. And I think that kind of backs up that everything that we've been talking about and, and even those, those concepts that you mentioned earlier, leaders lead in the way that they want to see their people lead and they are selfless.
0: Yeah, it it, it absolutely is. And, you know, so I have, um, I've summarized Captain Abyshev's book and I've highlighted some of the key points that I love to bring up in my leadership training. Here's, here's, do you mind if I give you a couple of quotes, a couple of examples? Hit us. The first one, you can never go wrong if you do the right thing. Huh? No kidding. (laughs) How about this one? Here's the uh, result. He, uh, Captain Avershaw, started doing exit surveys, or not doing, but reading, reviewing exit surveys about why people were leaving the Navy. Now, most people would assume that it was low pay. Would you agree?
2: That's what most managers assume when people leave.
0: Correct. Low pay was actually the fifth reason, the fifth most popular reason why people left. Listen to the top four. This is going to blow your mind. The top reason that people were leaving the Navy was they were not being treated with respect or dignity. The second reason was, and this is unbelievable, they were being prevented from making an impact on the organization. Being prevented from helping the organization. Number three, not being listened to. I think that's a common human thing. And here's the fourth one. And this is the one that you guys really should should focus on. Not being rewarded with more responsibility. Not being asked to do more. Your true driven team members they want more responsibility.
1: I so I'm I'm processing through that here, Curry, and I hope that's the case. I hope that is the case, and and we want certainly people in our organization who are looking for more. Um, and yet, as a leader myself, you know, I, it doesn't always seem to play out that way. So speak to leaders who are in their current roles right now. Like if they're looking around and saying, Curry, I I don't believe that, man. I don't see anybody around here who's looking for more to do. What what do you say to that?
0: It's it's not more to do. It's it's critical what you ask them to do. And I'm going to give you an example. I had a low-performing deputy on my squad. Uh, He was a retired Air Force guy. Very, very low key, very, very kind of kind of quiet, you know, nice guy. But all he wanted to do was traffic. He loved pulling cars over and working traffic crashes. He loved dealing with traffic. But that was all I could get him to do. He was low performer in every other category. Well, we, we ended up having a new system installed across the organization that had to do with driver's licenses and uh, co- corroborating that information with other databases. Well, every squad, the sergeant, had to uh, 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 compile all the data and send it in to the, the people running the program. I called in Sean, and I said, I have something I need you to help me with that's going to really help our squad. He said, what's that? I said, you know, this new driver's license program, blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah. I go, I want you to lead it for our squad. His eyes lit up his face. He smiled. He goes, really? I go, I want it to be you. I want you to be the face of it. I want you to own it. And uh, I'll help you in any way I can, but I want you, you to take, take this over. He left that room on a cloud because think about this psychologically. Now. A, he has something that he's responsible for that he can put his stamp on. B, I'm showing him that I have faith in him, that that I believe that he can bring more to our team. And he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. Not every, and Nate and Brian, to your point, not everyone's going to be that person. But on the people who are driven, on the people who do want to contribute more, on the... With the people who want to influence the organization, no matter what their position, see what they will do. Ask them to do something else for the organization. And I'm not saying, hey, I need you to run this call. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something internal, something that benefits the organization, and that they can actually own it and feel pride in how that thing works. And that's what you need to look for.
1: Excellent stuff today, Curry. And we're going to bring it in for a landing here, although I'm sure there's so much more to discuss. Uh, but the the thing that we want to wrap up here is is kind of around the topic that we've been talking about, which is preparing yourself now for the leadership that is to come. Um, and if you could kind of take all of your experience, not just outside of the trades, but in the trade specifically, and you say the thing that you saw lacking in most technicians, plumbers and electricians in, in all the shop visits that you did and all the ride alongs and hanging out with people and all that, the thing that you saw lacking the most in terms of leadership development in the frontline people, what would that be? And how would you coach them on growing in that
0: area? Wow. Um, so there's, there's a common challenge in any leadership curriculum when you bring people together, whether they're already formal leaders or they're up-and-coming informal leaders. And it's their perspective. Um, they have to change their mindset to doing for others. And, you know, this is not a spiritual thing. I don't want you guys to be confused. I'm not preaching okay? I'm telling you the truth. Um, you know, when it comes to leadership, you truly have to behave in a certain way. Uh, and, and part of that, under that umbrella, comes your core values. So I know you talked about empathy. The one core value you guys mentioned that I felt needed more definition was professionalism. Okay, I, I think that, that that needs to be a little bit more defined. What, what constitutes professionalism, right? Empathy is fairly Um, self-explanatory. What were the other two?
2: So it's, we we call it pegged. You have to be pegged to be part of our team. It's professionalism, empathy, gratitude, and drive.
0: Okay. Gratitude, drive, empathy. They're very, very self-explanatory. Would you agree? Absolutely. What does professionalism actually mean? Does it mean that you have to have your shirt tucked in? Sure Is it behavior it, well, no, no, no. no. I, 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 this is what I'm asking, right? How many things fall under professionalism? It's countless. Mm-hmm. So w- that could be confusing to someone, right? At, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I think what, got, what, what I have found, and again, analogies work really well, right? Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the book, It's Your shit, right? Uh, when you talk about behavior, here's a great question if what I'm about to do appeared on the front page of the Washington Post tomorrow, would I be proud or embarrassed? Like, how does my behavior reflect on me? How does my behavior reflect on my organization? Should I change it? You know, um, you know, show me an enthusiastic leader and I will show you an enthusiastic workforce. Well, you know what? In order to become an enthusiastic leader, you have to be part of an enthusiastic workforce. Leaders, create other leaders. Absolutely right, Curry. I appreciate uh
2: all the wisdom you've given today and our um our audience will certainly ask where they can reach you, where they can find you, get a hold of you. Um I know where we can uh is there you you talked about mentoring hundreds of home service people, right? I'm assuming you mean technicians.
0: Yeah, technicians, um, believe it or not, um, one of the things that I took pride, and I'll brag a little, I guess, is that I was comfortable sitting down and uh, coaching or training or teaching or mentoring or whatever, anyone in the organization from the owner all the way down to that part-time parts runner in the back, right? Um, I feel like I can communicate with people at, at all those levels. And so from my perspective, the reason that I can do that is because I'm very transparent, I'm very direct, you guys know that. Um that comes from, you know, sort of like being a cop for all those those years. I I just say it like it is and um, you know, I don't I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but sometimes truth hurts. But uh, you know, for me, uh I I think that what what people have to look at is is what are you trying to get out of that communication, right? So when you're talking to a mentor or you're talking to you know me or you're talking to whoever, um you know, it doesn't matter what level you are, you know, like Brian or Nate, you know, if you guys talked to me and you were telling me about things and this is how things are going and boy, you wish you could, you know, overcome this. We could have a dynamic conversation about that. And if a guy called me and said, Hey, I, I'm, I'm working, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly new to the team here under, under Nate. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to your podcast. I really liked it. You know, do you think that I should blah, 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 blah. I'm perfectly happy having that conversation too. Uh, So when you're, when you're in in a position where you can use your experiences to help benefit others, that unselfishness has to drive you. And so, you know, people, you know, I, I, I answer, well, I don't always answer the phone. I sometimes screen it. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm sick of people trying to get me to buy a a new warranty for my car. Um, But the best, the best way, if someone wanted to reach out to me, I think that was your question, Nate, they could. Reach, reach out to me at my business uh, email which is curry c u r r i e at honestwaterfilter.com and i don't know
2: and by how, the way, i don't know how much time you have uh, in terms of people reaching out to you but i've i've personally found you to be yes very direct but i've never felt um, offended if for lack of a better word, by anything you've said, everything you say, um, even even when you're when you're being forward and direct, is always feels like it's for my own good or for the good of the person that you're speaking to. And we've hung out on I don't know dozens of occasions now at this point. Um, but I I encourage people to reach out to Curry and wherever you're at and whatever you're looking to do. You're we're talking about somebody who. Went from high school to play college football to the Marines to the right, straight to the academy, right? Straight out of the Marines, yeah. To the police yeah. force, to keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and I, and I've done a lot of things in the private sector. Uh, you know, I'm currently the executive vice president uh, of a national dis- uh, water filter distributor. Um, but you know, Brian, one of the things that I think is really important that people understand, especially when you're talking to me and I think you appreciate this, you can't fake sincerity. And when people know that I sincerely care, then the words that I say don't necessarily aren't as sharp. They know that it comes from a place of wanting to help. And, and, uh, you know, there are times when, you know, men can be prideful. I know you guys know that. Um, You know, women can too. People, people can be prideful. And, uh, when you're looking to develop yourself, sometimes your pride has to take a backseat.
2: Definitely. Pretty much always when you're looking to develop, because if you're going to develop, you, you have to say that I'm lacking in this area. And the least developed human beings on this planet are Mo, more times than not, the most prideful human beings—the the people that, as David Sandler would say, they, they don't have twenty years of experience; they have one year that they repeated nineteen times. They tend to be the most—they <laughs> the, tend to be the most miserable, the most prideful, and the least developed people, because they just—they you know, they curl up I'm, in a ball and fold their arms and say, "I'm not, I'm not moving."
0: I I love that. You know, there, there's a saying. Um, you know, I think if, if you guys would like, I would love to send you my sort of um, book report version of It Your Ship. Um, I have, I've highlighted stuff in there. But what you just said is really interesting. A guy, 20 years, but, you know, one year of experience and repeated it 19 times. And something that's really important for people in the workforce to understand is we're moving away from the importance of seniority and moving into the importance of performance. So, you know, a good leader says, give me performance over seniority any day of the week. And so when you're looking at things from that perspective, it's about doing what you're good at, but doing it in a way that supports the team and the organization. You know, uh, when you refocus, sometimes the numbers aren't, what you should be focused on. You know, guys, we talk about metrics all the time, right? Average ticket, you know, upsell, closing, you know, all these metrics, all these numbers. And the reality is those numbers are derived from intangible stuff. Attitude, mood, knowledge, skill, you know, stuff that when we put it all together in a big, big bowl and we mix it all up, what comes out and what comes out is based on the culture that that bowl is sitting in.
2: Explain what you mean by, by uh, what comes out is the culture that the bowl is sitting in. You mean that, that um, what comes out being like the number average ticket is a mix of no. all those things or.
0: Yeah. So, so I want you to picture like you have all these variables, but if you don't put it in the oven for the right amount of time, you're not going to get the cake you expect, Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the most amazing technician and he works for a crappy organization, is he going to perform at a high level?
2: No, most likely not.
0: Most likely not. But what's interesting is you could take a mediocre technician and put them into a high-performing culture, and what will most likely happen? He'll either drop out or move up.
2: Yeah, and so the, 100%. They, they either leave, yeah, the, the, the culture breaks them, like it's just they're not a fit, or they become very high-performing uh, individuals.
0: No doubt. You know, my team, when I when I was a director of Success Academy, my team would cringe. But uh, when we would hire or interview new people, one of the statements I would make was, at Success Academy, we eat our young." And they're looking at me with this crazy look. And I go, if you can't keep up, you won't be here. Can you keep up? Because my, you know, my, my mantra you know, in that environment was you need to have some pace to you. You need to perform at the level that this team expects. Right? And so a good technician, when they sit down and interview with you, they should be interested in more than money. They should be interested in, Hey, what uh, advancement opportunities are there? What um, educational opportunities are there? What's your culture like when, uh, when someone, you know, uh, stays for a long period of time, you know, know, like they should be asking higher level questions than, you know, how many calls do I have to run and how much money do I make? When they start asking those questions in your interview, guys, you know, you got a good one.
2: Absolutely. Curry. And we, and we, uh, This is the type of person that we're typically looking for. We were actually just having a conversation earlier um, about um, potentially promoting somebody to a uh, team leader role um, in the first quarter of next year. And when he was approached about the role, uh, the first thing he said, you know, being a field supervisor, team leader here comes with, getting off the on-call rotation. It comes with the ability to make a uh, a uh, bonus monthly based upon your team's performance and other other pretty cool perks of, of uh, leadership. Um, and I just asked him point blank, what would you think about potentially being a team leader, field supervisor? And the first thing he said was, and this is somebody we thought would possibly say no because he's somebody who likes to, you know, uh, on – on his weekends to be done and ride his jet skis and just go have fun. And, but he's a, he's such a valuable asset to the team. He's so positive. He's a cheerleader for the company. He's somebody that everybody calls when they need help already. Um, but I thought he might say no. And his answer was, Oh, Hmm. Yeah. You know what? I'd love that. I, I would love to, the, the opportunity to, um, and I'm I'm going to paraphrase here, but it was something along the lines of, um, have the opportunity to help more guys out. Oh, that was the first so thing good. he said, and I'm like that. That was the perfect answer because just about any other, you know, any answer that has to do with, oh, you know, I want to come off that on call rotation. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's well, you not know,
2: not necessarily what you're looking for.
0: No doubt, no doubt, and and, and uh, I, it, it brings a smile to my face because, um, you know, there's just something about. People who get it. You know what I mean? Like, 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 there are a lot of people who can do things. They can accomplish stuff and, and what have you. And then there's that higher level person who, if you were to look at them objectively from afar, you would go, you know what? That guy gets it. He gets it. When I was younger, they called it squared away. I don't know if they still use that term. Um, I was very proud of people. Uh, describing me as squared away. It's a military term. It means that everything is, everything is right. Uniform's right. Behavior's right. Context is right. Um, I was very proud of that. I was very proud of being a young man who people looked at and went, that's the kind of guy I want my daughter to marry, (laughs) you know? Um, And so when you're, when that candidate responded to you with that saying, that's telling. I mean, that's really incredible.
2: Yeah, and uh, probably by the time this episode airs, he may very well be in that position. But for now, we'll, we will not release his name just in case.
0: <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Well, you know, you know, uh, Brian, one of the things that um, you, you may or may not be aware of this, but uh, we started an, a company called Visionary Training Solutions. And the premise is uh, we want to offer – Um, opportunities for development education coaching and one of the programs that I have developed um, and uh, I actually did it because someone engaged me and asked me to put on this uh, leadership forum or a seminar uh, right before COVID hit and so ever since COVID we haven't done it yet but it's called intentional leadership and the premise is you Or people who attend are going to leave there with conscious thoughts on how to be a better leader every day. It's intentional. I'm not just going to, it's not just going to happen by happenstance. It's going to happen by intentionally thinking about behavior, intentionally thinking about the words that you use,
2: intentionally
0: being unselfish. And that's how people have to approach leadership, whether it's formal or not. They have to be unselfish and communicate effectively.
2: Absolutely. And that would be a a pretty good one to go out on. Um, Definitely hit us up once you have that up and running, and we'll be happy to share it on the podcast and have you back on again just to talk about that. Sure. We appreciate you coming in, Curry.
0: Man, it's always a pleasure. It's always so much fun to talk with you guys. I can't—I mean, every time we talk, it goes so much longer than I expect.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, we're and we're uh, definitely for the idea of having you as a regular guest, and um, I'm sure when this airs, our audience is going to be saying the same. So thanks thanks for calling in today, Curry. I'm looking forward to doing one of these in person, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon, buddy.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. You guys have an, uh, a great weekend. Happy Friday, Eve.
1: You too, buddy. Man, what another great episode with Curry, this time on leadership. And he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to talking about developing that skill and turning something within you on to like push into what could be there, turning it into something more than just everyday life. And that's something that we want to reflect upon here is as you look at your days, you don't want to just keep doing what you're doing like status quo is not okay. Just going along is not okay. Waking up in the morning and doing the same thing you did yesterday, it's not enough. We need to be getting better. We need to be developing. And I appreciated Curry's advice and techniques uh, in speaking into that topic and making us better. That's something that we're trying to do here. uh, Personally, it's something that we're trying to encourage you to do as a listener. And it's something that we are all about here at our particular business. We hope that you're working for a business that is also driving you to become a better leader. And even if not, we hope that you are challenging yourself to take on that same subject. Uh, That's it for this podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it make sure you leave us a review. We're always looking to get better and to get bigger. If you have topic ideas, we'd love to hear about what you think we should be covering. And uh, we always appreciate you sharing and uh, spreading the good word around. Uh, As always, we challenge you to not only grow in your leadership, but to grow in your desire to make every single day one that you choose to wake up and waste no day.